We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, we got we got some mailbags here, uh, mailbag questions here. So if you want to get those in, we're going to go till about four thirty. So get those questions. You you still got to schedule Ryan so forth. Okay. So we start off with a, a little uh, super chat from K Grant Brian without a hat and rocking my favorite shirts. So yeah, I mean, look, man, there's no better time to to do this than than now, right? Got the Gap Closer shirt, which you can get actually if it's your favorite shirt, K Grant. Then you need to have bought it off of the uh, the uh, the IB store which you can find the link to in the description box below. Uh, Ryan, also, you can find that hat. I got all types of hats over here that you get. The, the, and I actually put a new one in there, Ryan. There's a new IB hat. I don't know if it's one that you're going to want. I'm going to buy it here soon. But it's, you know, those distressed looks, those ones where like looks like those older hats. I love those hats. And so they finally offered one. I got one in the in there as well that I got to go buy. I nice. love those. So nice. I'm looking forward to that. I, thank I, you I for the super chat. I know people are freaking out that you weren't wearing a hat today. So I know, I know. I didn't wear one this weekend either on the video that I did about Caleb Smith. Lots happened since you've been gone, Ryan, with the the Notre Dame team. So lots going on. There's no doubt. Uh, here's a question, uh, Ryan, and we'll get back. You can, um, I'll, I'll I'll read these and then you can answer most of these, and we'll just kind of go from there, Ryan. But David Lowe asks, who do y'all think our next commitment will be? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, David, someone asked this on the message board or asked more like a timeline for commitments. I think that Notre Dame has a chance to really really close on a couple guys potentially this weekend, right? So I, I think for me, the question is more when is it going to happen? I think that the month of I think the month of May, you're gonna see a couple guys come off the board for Notre Dame, right? I think that for me, like who ask me who Notre Dame's in a good position with, right? Like that's a better question. The the I think it starts for me with Kennedy or Lacker. Notre Dame's in a good position there. You have Kennedy or Lacker, you're in a good spot there. Bodie Cahoon is a guy that's going to be on campus for the second time in a couple weeks. You feel good about where they are with him. The Smith twins, like you're in a solid spot, but it's like, you know, kind of trying to close in them. But if you're asking me who is Notre Dame in the best spot with right now that I think is the most conceivable that they will make a decision sometime soon, I think Kennedy Erlacher is a, is a guy that you should definitely be keeping an eye on. I think Bodie Cahoon is a guy that you're going to keep a good eye on because there's a reason that he's back for the second time in like three weeks, right? Like there's a reason for that. Like there's obviously legitimate interest there. So those are a couple of guys that I think Notre Dame is in very good spot with but like i'm not going to predict who's the next guy to commit but those are guys that i think their name's in a good spot with right now ryan i don't i don't necessarily want to say who but there's a couple guys on offense that i could see popping soon as well uh you know so we'll, we'll have to see kind of how things close but there's a couple guys actually there's three or four guys on offense i could see over the next few weeks Notre Dame closing on but uh we're gonna we're gonna keep those names off off the board yes. right now but uh yeah yep all right so am I still popping everybody? Is it still happening when I'm talking? Ryan, can you hear me when I'm talking? You sound, is it popping? You, you sound fine to me right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me let me know, folks, if it's still happening when I'm talking. All right. All Someone right. said, let's blame Vince. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. That's funny. Okay. So let's get to some more questions here, Ryan. Here's one from Seth Clark. What is your feeling on Notre Dame and Coach Rudolph's interest in Styles Prescott? It's an interesting one, Seth. I, I think the offensive line recruiting is just in general very interesting right now because you talk about, you know, Coach Rudolph comes in and he instantly has some ties at Virginia Tech from his recruiting that you see instantly kind of pop up, right? Like we talk about Anthony Knapp and obviously his commitment to Notre Dame. Who, by the way, just, just got ranked as a top 200 player by on three. Yeah, now, I, again, I like that, it, man. I like it. I, yeah. I, I, I do. I've come around on him a little bit. I still, it's yeah. not that it, the thing is, here's what's frustrating about Anthony Knapp's situation is he's forever going to be uh, tied to Caleb Brewer. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I like Anthony Knapp. I do. I've come around on him, especially when I found out he had 34 inch arms. He's athletic. He's got some strength and all that. But it's like, but I don't love the idea of like 
passing on Caleb Brewer. That's the that's I the issue I that. had more so than that. than taking Anthony. I have no problem taking Anthony Knapp. I just why take Anthony Knapp and pass on Caleb Brewer? That that was the thing that was a little bit like very frustrating. A bit of a head scratcher for me. Very frustrating. Yeah, the whole Caleb Brewer thing was something that I am always going to be a little bit frustrated with. But you know, here we are in in a vacuum. I like Anthony Knapp, but then like even. You know, Aiden Lynch didn't get an offer this past weekend, right? But Aiden Lynch gets brought on a on a for a visit. He's another kid that interesting tools, but not a guy that I would push for personally. But he's a guy that Coach Rudolph also had on campus this weekend, right? Like obviously there's a and he is a guy that Coach Rudolph had offered at Virginia Tech. So there's a couple reshuffling of the board a little bit. But so like if you ask me right now. What are the certainties that I know on the offensive line recruiting board, Brian? I would say Notre Dame is still very high on Gerby Lambert. That's one for sure. They're not. They were not high uh, on Caleb Brewer, at least from the or Rudolph Andrew perspective. Sprague. Or yeah. Andrew Sprague. Those are the guys that you're just like. Those are the certainties I, that we I know. And I agree with the Sprague one, Ryan. You know this. I was never yeah. super high on Andrew Sprague. I'm fine with yep. them not pushing for him. There's a reason Harry Heastand didn't offer him. And yeah. I was, and there's a reason that when Joe Rudolph came, he wasn't overly enamored with him either. To be honest yeah. with you, and neither yeah. there were some people in the recruiting office I think that you know like the size and the potential, and I get that. And they sure. wanted to get on the board so that way the next line coach could come in and evaluate them and see what they thought. I don't think that anybody was necessarily in love with them. Yeah, but um, you know, but yeah, the Caleb Brewer one is it, but. Gearby Lambert's definitely one, and Styles Prescott is another that I do think yes. the staff is high on at this point in time. Yeah, Styles, and then I mean, there's like that little mix of some offensive tackles on the board, right? Like Kevin Haywood was on a visit pretty recently, a couple weekends ago. You talk about Styles. I mean, to the question, Seth, I think that there's, I think that they like Styles Prescott. Styles was just on campus recently, right? Like that's just another one where it's like he's an Indiana kid. He's been on to a couple a couple trips on campus now. He's offered. When do you pop type of thing, right? And is it going to be Notre Dame? Because I, I think that there is definitely a, a liking to Styles Prescott. I, I just just need to find a little bit more information on, I guess, what Coach Rudolph wants to do here, right? Like that's kind of what I'm looking at. Is like I'm just kind of sitting back and just saying, like I'm just evaluating Coach Rudolph's moves here, right? And far as like what his affinity for certain players are, and if there's any shift at all, other than obviously Nap and taking a longer look at Aiden Lynch type of thing. Like it's just gonna be interesting to see. Yeah. Let's get to the next question here, Mr. Roberts. Uh, yep. See, uh, I, I'm going to well, actually want to comment on this one from John. It says, it's weird, but I'm not feeling the same vibe in recruiting this year as I did last year. There doesn't seem to be any energy. Honestly, I think that says more about uh, the fan base than it does where Notre Dame's recruiting is right now. I think uh, I think just in general in this country, I just think over the last year, there's just been so much negative. People just always focusing on the negatives. And I think uh, to a somewhat understandable degree, there's far more fans that just tend to focus on the negative, losing Keon, losing Bowen, and not enough on the fact that, like, everybody in the chase to constantly bitch about, oh, quarterback. Quor-, and, and now it's like we don't even talk about their five-star quarterback anymore. You know what I mean? And it's just like, guys, Notre Dame is in a really good place. They're one of three teams the last two years to have to, to be in the top five in blue chip rating in the last two years, along with Alabama and Ohio State. That is it. They've got a top five class right now. They flat out do. They have a they had a great recruiting class last year, even with all the guys they lost. You're already seeing this recruiting class make an impact in pads at Notre Dame. You're already seeing yeah. it. 
And and this class is you got one of the best receivers in the country. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You got a four star running back that nobody talks about. You've got two four star offensive linemen, and you've got a top two fifty in my view defensive tackle and a top one fifty cornerback who is not just ranked top one fifty by me, but by somebody else. You're leading for a five star defensive tackle. You've got a really good chance to land a borderline top fifty offensive tackle. You've got some really talented receivers on the board that you've got a really good shot with, and you're at the point now where they're. Where, where I'm actually debating and arguing that Notre Dame should turn down a couple of top 100 tight ends because I'd like to see them use a scholarship next year because they're also in great position with two stud tight ends next year that I would rather have take two next year in James Flanagan and Nate Roberts, right? Linebacker recruiting is a concern. Safety recruiting is a concern. There's no doubt about that. But there's just been this sense of negativity where it's like people only want to concentrate and complain about the misses and not focus on the wins. And I think that's more of an us problem and a fan problem than it is a Notre Dame problem. That doesn't mean everything is perfect with Notre Dame's recruiting. It's not. They've got to get better at some certain positions. There's no question. But I feel like we've got this thing where if it's not this, if it's not Georgia, it sucks. And I can't stand that, to be honest with you, because we end up like there's so many good football players that Notre Dame is recruiting right now that, that aren't elite, but they're good that I just hear nothing but complaining about. Yeah, And I'm kind of getting tired of it, to be completely honest with you. But, I mean, it's the nature of it. But I just think as a fan base, far too many of us are too just constantly obsessing. Not just – it's fine to talk about the negatives when they're, when they're, uh, when they're there. I'm, I'm fine with those. But it's, it's the obsessing over it and the harping on it to where the only time I hear some people comment is if it's to complain. That's, I put yeah. this really good intel piece out last night. It's got all these positive things, and then there's just people jumping. I'm really worried about the defense. It's like, what from this intel piece would make you worried about? It, it doesn't mean you can't be, but why are you jumping into this intel piece complaining right now? And I think there's just too much of that, in my opinion. So, you know, I think John, I think that's it. I think there's a. I mean, you talk to people around the the program, especially at certain positions. There's a lot of excitement right now. I think that I think the the lack of buzz says more about us as a fan base than it does about what their name's doing. I think it's also this year. I mean, cause I agree with you, Brian, it's like, it's the fan perspective. Right. But I, I think that it's also this year. I don't know if you agree with this, but this year, more than the last couple, in my opinion, some of these rankings are awful, man. Yes. And people hyper-focus on rankings. Yes. These rankings this year are terrible, yes. man. Like they're yes. really bad. I mean, I remember, hey. DeMe- you remember when DeMello Jones was offered and he was a zero yeah. star kid and everyone's like, yeah. oh, why are we offering a zero star? And now he's a top 150. And we kept trying to tell kid. y'all, like, we kept trying to tell y'all, this is a dude. We kept trying to tell yeah. y'all. And then now who's he committed to? Georgia. Georgia. And yeah. now everybody's putting him in their top 100, right? Yes. Like, it's like Peyton Pierce is a perfect example, right? I mean, he's a top 100 kid by some people. He's not a top 100 kid to me. And then he's a, he's a, the on three ranking for him, is one of the most. It's it's even worse than than Micah Bell's. Yeah. I, I mean, and now I'm now I'm curious if they're going to change the ranking now that he's committed to Ohio State. I'm very curious to see if they're going to change that. But on three right now has him ranked as the number 113 player in the state of Texas, whereas Rivals has him number 177 in the nation. ESPN has him 128, and 247 Sports has him 164. Yet two four yet on three has him ranked as the number 113 player in the state of Texas. Right, like these ranking, like the fact that CJ Carr is ranked as the number one hundred and seventy nine, 
193 player in the country is one of the stupidest things I have ever seen in my entire life. Really you're, bad, bad. you're gonna put Jaden Davis as a five star and Julian Sane as a top 20 player, and you're gonna have CJ Card in the 190s. You don't know what you're looking at. You have no clue what you're looking at at this point in time. It's absurd. And I think you're right, Ryan. The rankings are getting worse and worse and worse. It's really 24 seven sports has never been the same since Barton Simmons left when it comes to rankings. It just, it just, it's not the same. He was a football guy. The people doing yeah. it now are not football guys. They're reporters that think they're football guys. Right. Well, I think rivals is trying. They're trying to bring in good people. They're trying. It's just, it's not great right now, but they're trying. They've got rid of some bad folks that weren't good at it. They're trying to hire some people that have a, some football knowledge, they're trying. On three, I don't know what the freaking heck on three is doing, but it is bad. And yeah. and so it's like, yeah, and ESPNs is just so inconsistent, hit or miss. It's just like, what are you guys doing? The rankings are getting less and less reliable, in my opinion. And all the data people use about those, you know, the percentage, that's from people that aren't there anymore doing that. You know, but but the the, the I think that's the I think that's a great point, Ryan. Is there's so many people obsessing over rankings that that they're just not, and, and there's really nothing that we can tell them. Yeah, you, you know, it's like you can say, hey, like Kedron Young, for example. I I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know what to tell you about that kid when it comes to his ranking. I, I I have no clue what to tell you, and and I have no clue how people can look at him and 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 not have him ranked high you know, is a top hundred kind of guy. And, but he is, and here's the thing on three who I just lambasted, they do have him as a top hundred guy. So it, they're schizophrenic. Like that's well, the thing. Like Brian, Brian, do you remember, do, do you remember when Leonard Moore committed and we had that one guy in the chat that was like, Oh, Notre Dame settling for a three star. Yeah. It's like it's not a three star, man. Now he's look not at a him. three star. Now he's, he's a top one fifty player in the country, according to rivals. And yeah. you know, so it's just like 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 on three has Kedron Young as the number eighty one player in the country and the eight, number eight running back, but yet ESPN doesn't have him in their top three hundred, and two four seven Sports doesn't have him in their top two forty seven, and Rivals has him. They're not two hundred twelve players better than Kedron Young in the in the country. So if you get him, it's like ah, oh, and I and I had the same same argument that I had with Logan Diggs, ah three star. I'm like guys, you can t- I don't care what his rankings are. That's a freaking dude, and then yep. look at him. Right. I had the same argument with people when Benjamin Morrison first got offered and they were getting him. He was a three star kid when they committed to Notre Dame. You know, not a single Ryan, not a single soul in the recruiting industry from a national network standpoint had him as a top 300 player. And I kept telling guys, I'm telling you, they're wrong. Yeah. You know, and so to me, um, that's just kind of where I'm at. Right. I just. I also, I also think we also the one thing that we also need to remember is that we're talking about juniors in high school that still have another season to play, right? right? Like these are finished kids; they are right. finished products. I, someone said this on the board earlier, Brian, and I responded to it. That said, I don't see any Brandon Hillman type safeties on this board. I'm just like this time last year, Brandon Hillman was a three star recruit who only had Norfolk Ryan, State as an offer. This year, it? yes, a thousand percent. And this year, a year ago, this time a year ago, nobody knew who the freaking heck Brandon Hillman was. Exactly. That's what I mean. And when Chad, when Chad Bowden first went after him and offered him, people are like, who the freaking heck is this kid? He's a three-star kid. He's only got offers from such and such and such and such. And then by the time he leaves, it's like, oh my God, this is such a terrible loss. And it's just dead. I'm like, you guys, when he committed, the same people mad about uh, him leaving or him not getting in are the same people that were bitching about them taking him in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that kind of frustrates me is, 
the rankings are unreliable and I'll, I'm going to give you an honest assessment. And there's some kids that I'm not as high on that, that, that Ryan's higher on. And there's some kids I'm higher on that Ryan's not, and we'll be wrong. We're going to have misses, yep. but I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And what I'm telling you is, is that you should be now, are there positions that you need to be a little nervous? Absolutely. And we just explained three of them to you today, right? They got to yep. close Ryan. They're not there yet. Cause they haven't closed on these guys. And then you got to hold on to them, but there's a lot of guys on the board. And, and there's an, an opportunity for this to be another great class. And you know what else the staff is doing that I think is smart? They're really recruiting this class at the same time that they're recruiting next year's class. And I think that's smart. And the tight end one is a big one for me. And I know that this is an unpopular opinion. I'm not saying that – I want to make sure that I'm clear on something. I am not saying that Notre Dame has stopped recruiting Jaden Riddell and Carter Nelson. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I, me, Brian Driscoll, my opinion is – I don't think they should take another tight end in this class. My opinion. And here's why. Number one, go look at Jaden Riddell's sophomore film and compare it to Nate Roberts and James Flanagan's sophomore film. And you're going to, in, in, in my opinion, you're going to be like, he's not as good as those dudes as a sophomore. You're now comparing Jaden Riddell as a junior to those kids as sophomores at a time when you're seeing the biggest physical jumps for these young people as they go from freshman to sophomore to junior to seniors in high school, right? And so to me, but it's also about, I want to use that extra scholarship to maybe get a second back to get Kedron Young or, Hey, we get the Smith twins. We get, uh, you know, you get Justin Scott and you either get a Bryce Young or, or, or no one or, or a, um, uh, a TJ Lindsay or a Benedict Dumain. You got your five man class. Right. But I still want to have room to bring it to, to still keep recruiting Elijah rushing. I st- I'd much rather do that than bring in a second tight end when Notre Dame is reshifting the numbers at tight end because the roster was getting too tight end heavy. You have, well, they always get under 85. It's not the 85 you need to obsess over. It's the fact that I can't give enough scholarships to safeties or linebackers or DNs because I have too many guys at safety or tight end. You know what I mean? And that's the reality of it. And so to me, it's not that Jaden Riddell is not a heck of a football player. He is. It's just, they're fine at tight end. They're great at tight end, in fact. And there's there's a it's a loaded 2025 class, and they are they need to smartly evaluate the numbers and where the emphasis is this year and say, I would rather save those a couple extra scholarships because here's why. The Notre Dame coaching staff and me, I agree with them here, they think this team is going to be really freaking good in 2023. If you believe that, there comes a point in time where you got to bet on yourself and say, I think if we go out and have the year that we're capable of, we may be able to flip Ryan Wingo down the line for as our fourth receiver, even though we don't necessarily have room for it. We may be able to flip or get Elijah rushing down the stretch if we're as good as we think that we're going to be. That may be what we need to do to get Caleb Beasley in the class, where we don't need a third corner. And to me, those positions are all more important than a second tight end in my opinion, in this class. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And and I think this staff is doing that, Ryan. I, I, I think that they're smartly recruiting 25 because it may say, hey, look, we don't need to reach on this kid because we're in a really good place with kids next year. And I think that's something that's going to be interesting how that factors into some of these positions like linebacker and safety to say, hey, look, we're, we're, I don't want to reach here and give a scholarship to a four-year kid that may not be good enough. We can just go on the portal next year and get a one-year stopover for numbers because we're we're really in a great position with the 25 kids. And 
if this team is going to be as good as they think they're going to be, it's going to have an even bigger impact on the 25 class. So I just think there's a lot more that goes into this than just load up and figure it out later. That's not really practical. That sounds great on a message board or in a show for people like us to say, but as a football coach, Ryan, that's not really, and I could do that at D3. I could just, because we could bring in 250 kids if we wanted to. Yeah. But you can't do that here. There, there, there's a proper roster management that you need to focus on, and I think that's something that people need to consider too. And because we're getting a lot of comments about about uh, Jaden Riddell and Carter Nelson, and it has nothing to do with them not being excellent players. They are. It's just if there's one position that Notre Dame can afford to say uh, we'll push it off to next year, it's freaking tight end. Because here's the thing, right? If somebody gets hurt or somebody tra- transfers, you've known some some really good tight ends that you've worked with in the draft. You're telling me. Say, for example, last offseason, if Notre Dame – let's say Michael Mayer got hurt in the offseason and Notre Dame needed a tight end, that some of those kids, like that kid from South Dakota State who's about to get drafted, wouldn't yeah. have been like, I'm jumping in the portal and going to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like, that's the reality. So, yeah, I would rather get that stopover transfer kid and then bring two in in 25, including James Flanagan. I mean, to me, if I could get James Flanagan and Nate Roberts in the 25 class, I'm 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 fl- I'm doing flips. I'm fired Nate, up. Nate Roberts is really good, man. He's a, he's, really he's a good dude. <laughs> he's, he's a better. A really he's good. a much better player as a sophomore than Jaden Riddell was a sophomore. Matter of fact, I'd say they're very comparable now. In dude, my, I, I thought I thought Nate Roberts looked like um, George Kittle on film. Man, he was like breaking tackles, yak stuff. I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at, man. It's, it's, it's not, it's an, it's a dance, man. It's not as easy just load up and figure it out that Notre Dame can't afford to do that. Cause you know what else, Ryan, you yeah. know why Notre Dame doesn't lose as many kids in the portal because these kids come to Notre Dame cause they want that degree. Yep. I mean, you literally had a former four-star defensive back had the option of you can either go on the portal or you can go on an academic scholarship, stay here and get your Notre Dame degree. And he chose to not play football anymore. So he could stay and get his Notre Dame degree. Talk about Philip Riley. Yeah. This isn't Alabama where they can just process kids out. You know what I mean? It just it doesn't, and that's not a shot at Alabama. I'm just making it's just a different animal, and and that's something that people got to think about. So, uh, to me, I, I, they're in a good place, Ryan. They just have to close. But it's April, right? They're basically they had nine guys committed last year at this time. Where are they at right now? Nine. Nine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. A year ago at this time, do you know how many receivers they had committed in the class last year at this time? Big zero. Big goose egg. Yeah. Yeah. Braylon James is still two days away from the one year. We're still two days away from the one year anniversary of Braylon James committing. And and Cam Williams might be better than all of them. All of them. The yes. Class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right now he's a higher grade. He's a top 50 guy for me right now. Yeah. He's a really good, man. Yeah. So anyway, I, I like where Notre Dame is at. I do. Now they got to close. And there's some positions, as we said, look, guys, we gave it to you straight. Linebacker, there's some dudes on the board to make us happy, but they got to hit the inside straight, and I'm not sure they can. Right. Th- that's a concern. And if they don't, we'll be critical. But how about we wait till they actually don't get a class that we like <laughs> and stop assuming that it's going to happen and, and give them some time? Because, like, guys, it's April 17th, the Blue Gold Games in five days. It's time to be happy right now. It's time to enjoy life. And I And there's enough craziness going on in the world right now that you got to come to sports and find your joy. Like you got to be happy enjoy this stuff because I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but the world's kind of effed up right now. You know what I mean? And it's been that way for a couple years. Sure. You gotta, you gotta be able to tune that stuff out and say, Hey, look, man, I'm not going to bring that negativity into here. Cause this is sports. Let's have some fun. Doesn't mean we can't be critical of stuff when it's warranted, but sometimes we're just looking for it. 
And I just – so I think the lack of buzz – this is all coming around a question about lack of buzz. I think the lack of buzz has a lot more to do with us as fans than it does about where Notre Dame actually is right now. I, I think Marcus Freeman also set the bar so high early yeah. on in the recruiting game, right? So you're just like matching right. – that type of impact early, it's not an easy thing, man. Like you right. set the bar high, and I mean, yeah. you gotta there's peaks and valleys to that sometimes. I was gonna have you uh, read this one here, Ryan, because I want I want to answer this one from Tyler Smith. He says, "Is Notre Dame having talks of get of going after Bale Alex, Bale Alexander from Georgia that entered the second wave portal?" No, <laughs> Bear Alexander was at like four different high schools. He just he was just a starter on the national championship team. Correct, Ryan. Didn't he start at Georgia this year? Played a ton uh, at Georgia this year. He he played a lot. Yeah, he did play a lot. I'm not sure if he's and he's transferring. Do you honestly yeah. think he's transferring because he wants to get a better education than what he's getting at Georgia? Do you think he's transferring because I just want more playing time? No, he's projected to start this year too. So yeah, he's looking for a payout, folks. And when that's happening, it ain't he ain't coming to Notre Dame. And, and to me, it's the same thing with Caleb Williams last year. Notre Dame needed to waste zero seconds recruiting Caleb Williams last year. Why? Because he was not coming to Notre Dame. And that doesn't make him a bad kid. It just means he's looking for something that Notre Dame doesn't have to offer. Same thing with Barrel Alexander. I'm not saying he's a bad kid. I don't know the kid. I'm just telling you, based on his history, there's no way in heck a kid like that's going to look at Notre Dame. None. Yeah. So don't waste your time, in my opinion. There's other – There's other now, safety portal, yes. They're going to be very active in the safety portal. If an elite guard comes along, they may look at him. But honestly, right now, Notre Dame is about build up the guys you have and then look for safeties. That's where you're at. Like receiver, I don't think they need to go to the portal, even if even with Caleb Smith being out, and even if they move Lorenzo Styles to corner. I told you, a lot's happened since you've been gone, Ryan. I know, I've uh, seen it. You know, um, it. I still think they're good, which is a far cry from where they were last year at this time. I mean, it's just it's insane. But uh, no, Barry Alexander's not going to be. Sounds like sounds like he's heading west. So we'll see yes, about that one. Yes, yeah. yes. Here we go. Here's one from Robert McReynolds. He says, "How do you how how do you calibrate what you're seeing when watching high school film? Meaning, some kids' skills are going to get inflated because they are playing a much more watered down talent high school. Can I can I correct one thing? Sure. A kid's skills never get inflated or deflated. A kid's skills are what they are. If I'm a 4-5, I'm a 4-5 whether I'm going against a guy that runs a 5 flat or I'm going against a guy that runs a 4-3. I'm still a 4-5, right? If, I have a, if I'm a 3-9 20-yard shuttle guy or a 4-4 20-yard shuttle guy, it doesn't change because of the competition that I'm playing. So the skills don't get inflated. What I think it does, Ryan, is it makes it harder to evaluate some guys sometimes for people who don't do it for a living. And even for people that do it for a living, it can be a challenge when a guy is so much more athletic than the guys around him because they're just not that good, right? Yeah. So I think this is – this is the, the way that I would phrase it, Robert, would be different. I think that I would – I think calibrating high school film is a good way of putting it, but I don't think kids' skills get inflated. I, I think – the evaluation of those skills may be off, but their skills don't change. Your skill is what it is. It just, how do you project it? And, 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 and so I, I would say it that way, but I mean, Ryan, that's part of the, the craft of being a town evaluator is yeah. looking for tricks to be, be able to help you because it's also not a given that just because you dominate great competition, you're going to be a great player. Javon McKinley dominated in high school against as good a competition as any receiver has faced in the country since. Dude had 60 catches for over a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns in the playoffs. And he was going against St. John Bosco, De La Salle, 
yeah. I mean, they didn't play modern day that year. They played like Orange Lutheran. They mm-hmm. played uh, what's that one school? Jay Sarah, I think they, they um, had like three yeah, D1 DBs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was going and he was dominating. He had an 80 yard kickoff return for a touchdown against De La Salle in the championship game. I mean, again, 60 catches and a thousand yards in the playoffs that year. It didn't translate to the next level. So it's not just the kids that played in Golden Tate had some of the worst high school film I've ever seen as far as who he was playing against. And he dominated at Notre Dame. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't always translate. I think it has more to do with the evaluator than it does the player, in my opinion. Well, and I would say this, the Evaluating high schoolers is way more difficult than evaluating college kids going to the NFL because there's time. so much growth that is going to happen with a player and so much more projection that needs to kind of take place. Because, I mean, you're talking about a 16, 17-year-old kid that is going to potentially grow a couple more inches, right? It's going to gain a ton more weights that is going to go from playing – you know, group one ball in New Jersey to playing SEC ball. Like that's a pretty dang big jump, mm-hmm. right? Like all those things are interesting to consider. I, I would say for me, Robert, it's, it's hyper-focus on watching the player and not what's around yeah. them, right? Like how do you evaluate how fast the kid is? I'm not watching the result of a play. The kid, you know, had a 40-yard outside zone play, or, right? Or, yeah. Ryan, you're not watching how fast he pulls away from the competition, that's the other thing because you don't you, you don't know that what I look at and I was I will say this Ryan tell you, you look at the field you look at his legs you've watched yeah. enough film where you can see this kid's legs are moving or because again some kids may move with fast legs but they don't run fast some kids are like long striders that don't look like they're fast but they're fast you look at how much ground he's covering you evaluate that because yeah. uh, hey here's the deal Ryan uh, whether it's a field out in the middle of Idaho or a field in Miami. The dimensions don't change. How yep. quickly you cover that ground is the same because the field does the same. It's like that scene from Hoosier, one of the greatest scenes from Hoosiers. He gets a kid on, he's like, they measure the hoop. Hey, guys, yeah, it's still 10 feet, right? <laughs> that doesn't change. And I think that's the key. But that takes time, right? That takes that takes experience, in my view. Because most people, you start watching film, when you're valuing speed, you look at the kid or you look at what's around them. And, and, you know, there's, there's other tricks that you use when you know the comp, like if I'm watching a kid that's playing in Miami, I don't got to do that. I know he's pulling away from those kids and I know who those kids are and they can run. Right. Yep. But when I'm watching a kid that plays at some private school out in California, like Amir Carlo was, Amir Carlo had dominant high school film, but you're looking at like, this competition is bad. And you saw certain things that just didn't project well to running back at the next level. And, you know, that I think some people missed and you know, the position I think people have the hardest time on Ryan when it comes to evaluating high school players, in my opinion, based on the talent, is offensive line. Yeah. There are so many misses on just big physical kids that can't move that just dominate people in high school. And I think that's where I think the 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 the, the comparing them to the talent level is where you see most recruiting services and and some coaches just completely whiff on those guys. Offensive line is a really good one because you rarely ever see offensive linemen take pass sets in, in huddle tapes too, right? It's just about yeah. driving off the football and driving dudes into the dirt, which is nice. You know, that's nice to have. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's, it, it's also the full scope. And also Robert, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, let's call it what it is, right? A huddle highlight tape players are putting on just their highlights. You don't see their low lights a ton, right? Like if I watch an all 22 of an NFL draft prospect, I see every play, right? Like it's not right. just about 
the highlight tape, what happened on the negative plays, what happened everywhere in between, how consistent are they? What is the progression from game one to game seven? Like what are what like those different little things you miss on a highlight tape because you're only highlighting the absolute best of what you did, and you're not always evaluating. I mean, unless I have a huddle login for a team. I right. can't go through every single play and right. really determine we can how find, good a player is on a snap to snap yeah. basis. And we can find two to three games on YouTube and and things like that. And it's just, yeah. but it, it it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge, right? Because like right now, Ryan, I could you and I right now we could pick up any player in the country, and you and I have the same access to it. And I can watch literally, with the exception of the South Carolina game, every single snap that Joe Walt took this year. Yeah. It's it's an, almost impossible right now for me to be able to do that with Styles Prescott. Yeah. Or Anthony Knapp, right? And as you mentioned, the the physical jumps of the there's there's a 220 pound offensive lineman in high school football right now. That's 220 pounds. That someday is going to be a first round NFL draft pick. Happens every year, every year almost, right? Well, it takes a special dude to be able to look at that kid and be like, okay, I see. It. And that's why that's that kid bad, ends up yeah. going to like Northern Iowa, South Dakota <laughs> State, you know, places like that because. Teams don't look at that and be able to see that. And that's where you got to give Jeff Quinn and, and Matt Bayless a lot of credit because they saw that in Joe Walt when a lot of other people didn't, you know, Iowa saw it, right? But a lot of other schools didn't see that until he was already a lock to Notre Dame. And it's paid there's, off. There's a kid that might get drafted this year out of northern Michigan, Brian, that is an offensive tackle that is six that's seven D2, right? and a half. What's that? that northern Michigan, I think, is D2. Yeah. yeah. So there's a uh, offensive tackle this year. I forget his name. But he is a six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pound offensive tackle now that ran four eight eight at his pro day and is probably going to get drafted. He was a Division two basketball player and didn't even start playing college football until like his sophomore year. He transferred to Northern Michigan. He was a tight is that end. Jake Witt. Like, Jake Witt. That's it. Okay. Yep, Jake Witt. Who well, is, I, I don't know that. I just looked it up while you were talking. Yeah athletically is one of the best offensive tackles you've ever seen come out and dress. I mean, he had like a 37 inch vert, four, eight, eight in the 40, just incredible stuff. But to your point, these players don't all develop at the same rates, right? Like that kid was a 240 pound tight end coming out of 10 foot plus broad as an offensive nuts, man. He did like 23 reps on the bench too. It's a decent number for a D2 kid. Like Junipera Sarah, that's who it was. And they had like a a brand, uh, I'm sorry, it just hit me. Uh, Brandon Plesser put that in there. But yeah, um, it, it's but that's part of the fun of it too, Robert. In my opinion, is because you know, like Ryan, you you, you feel good when you do get those right. You're like, I got that one right, you know, and um, that's part of the fun of it. John Moore, with our recent bad luck with Moore's, we'll be able to keep Leonard Moore. Um, little LOL there. Yes, I feel good about that. Leonard Moore's a yeah. different cat now. I mean, if you know anything about his family. You're like, yep, that makes. I mean, that's one thing we said at the time. When, when as soon as we did research on his family, like, yeah. oh, this kid's going Notre Dame. <laughs> this kid's going Notre Dame. Uh, that's a family that gets it, and they have raised that young man to to get it as well. In my also opinion. very very close relationships with the James family, which makes yes. total sense. Yes. yes. Yep. Bayside Tiger Six says, compared to previous staffs, it seems this one this one places more emphasis on ability to play football versus guys who would impress at a combine. Agree or disagree? I, I'm going to somewhat disagree with that because that's actually something I thought for the last several years Brian Kelly and his staff did a pretty good job with. There was a lot of kids that were just football players that I that that so now I think this staff does it better, 
but I think that uh, I, I don't think I wouldn't necessarily say that's only with the unique to this staff. I, I do think that there were some coaches on the previous staff that that were pretty good at that as well, in my opinion. Well, I I think Notre Dame got a lot of freaky kids in the 2023 class as yeah. well. Like kind of thinking about it. I mean, like Braylon James is both, yeah. right? Like he's right. not just one. Michael Bell is both. Michael right. Bell is both, right? Like Christian Gray is both. Like they're not just one. Or the I, other. I think the emphasis that they're placing that's even greater than the previous staff, who also did a good job with it, is uh, the previous staff's problem was they just weren't willing to go after the top guys. That was the problem. Yeah. But they would find yeah. plenty of gems. I think the, the the this staff is even more so looking for guys who have versatility than we've seen in the past. And even in, in the in the previous staff did a pretty good job of that as well. I mean, we saw, you know, again, the guys we've talked about that are going to start at other positions that didn't start safety that didn't start there were all guys that were recruited by the previous staff. So I, I think the big difference here is there's a greater work ethic and a more of a willingness to go to battle for the top guys. I think that's one of the biggest differences. And you have a head coach that actually puts work in on the recruiting trail. That's yes. the biggest difference, in my opinion. Agree. Nick McGrail asks, what are your thoughts on, Ohio, on the Ohio State and Michigan recruiting battle going on recently? Seems like both teams have a fair deal of momentum in the 2024 class right now. They do. I mean, I mean, Ohio State, you expect it, right? Correct. Michigan's do actually doing year. a yeah. yeah, Michigan's doing a really good job, though. We've had questions about them recently as far as their consistency of recruiting over the last couple of years. And I think a lot of that was due to Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL consistently, right? But at the end of the day, Brian, we talk about this, right? What happens on Saturday matters most to these kids, right? Winning football games. Michigan has had back-to-back double-digit win seasons. They've won Big Ten, 12, 10 championships, and they've made playoff berths, right? Like, those, that stuff matters to these kids, right? So I think that you're seeing Michigan is now make, taking a step up, and, you know, they're doing a head, better job. Their on head the coach didn't trail. botch the entire offseason, Yes, like Harbaugh did the year before. Yeah, I'll tell you this: this is good for Notre Dame. This is definitely good for Notre Dame because what used to like to like Ohio, Michigan back in the day used to go into Ohio and take great players. Now, not often, but it was enough. I mean, Charles Woodson was an Ohio kid. Yeah, that they got there right, and it and Ohio State was always good, but they would take enough of those guys to where Ohio State was really good, but maybe about four or five guys less because Michigan would take some of them and Notre Dame would take some of them. And I think that's the thing is, guys, the Northern teams being good is good for Notre Dame. It yes. is. Penn State's also recruiting at a yes, nice level. So very well right now. Yeah. There's, four, there's four Northern schools that are right now that are recruiting where I'm like, I'll take that class and stack it up against anybody. It's Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame right now. Yep. And that's a good thing. And they're not just getting kids from the South. Right. Like, you know, these kids from Texas and Florida going to Ohio State and turning into first round picks in California. That's good for Notre Dame because there's going to become time when, when Ohio State isn't on that guy that Notre Dame can say, hey, look, man, you look, you come up here, you play in the cold, you can do this. And Penn State's putting out high draft picks at wide receiver. Uh, Ohio State's putting out high draft picks at wide receiver. We're putting out, putting out high draft picks at wide receivers. I think Notre Dame's going to have a chance to do in the next couple of years with Tobias Merriweather and potentially Deion Colsey and guys like that. Those things help. I really believe this, and and I'm I'm going to do a series this summer because Josh Pate, who I respect, was like, "There's no teams that need to be good for college football," and I, I disagree with that. And we're going to do a series on that this summer, or th- when we get into the off season, where we're going to have some shows where maybe are a little bit more national oriented, especially the Wednesday shows. But I do think it's good for college football when Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and Notre Dame are all good, because they're the they're. We remember this analogy we used a couple years ago. 
It's like Ohio State is like Captain America at the, at, at, on Endgame, where it's yeah. like they're there and like Thanos and it's the SEC and all that, and it's just Captain America by himself. Right. And then Notre Dame kind of is like, you know, is, is, uh, you know, kind of comes in. And that's the Sam yeah. Wilson character. Right. And then, you know, Black Panther comes through. That's like Michigan, you know, and then Dr. Strange comes. That, you know, back, that's like Penn State. Like, that's good for Notre Dame because it takes it. it there, there's that counterweight to the SEC dominance. Yeah. And then the North, because like right now, the Alabama being great and Georgia being great helps the entire SEC because that's the league you want to be a part of. Right. But now if you're if you're the north is saying, hey, bring it. Right. Bring it. Then all of a sudden it's like, OK, I go up to the north and play ball, too. Like I'm not super high on Luke Fickle. I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong because those things benefit Notre Dame. And, and I know some people don't believe that, but I do because they're not going to only take kids from Notre Dame. They're going to take kids from Florida State's another one. Florida State being dominant and being really good on the recruiting trail is good for Notre Dame. Because they're not going to take very many kids from Notre Dame. They're going to take kids from Bama and LSU and Georgia and Clemson. That's who they're going to take kids from. So I do believe for the health of college football that there are counterweights because it also is good for the TV revenue because right now all the money's in the SEC. But if all of a sudden these other leagues, like if the Big 12 is as dominant now as it was 30 years ago, I don't know if Texas and Oklahoma leave because now the Big 12 is – there was a time where the Big 12 was like that's where – like th- there's some big time football being played there and that's yeah. changed over the years. And, and so I think that's good for the game. I, I really do. I think I that's agree. good for the game. Uh, Brandon Plesner is Logan Thomas, a gap closer. Uh, I mean, no, not for me, Brandon, not for me. I mean, look, I, I think that for me, like the way that, Brian, in this beginning of the show, kind of quantified gap closes the two different layers of it, right? One is, are they just better than what you have? And then two is, can they take it to the next level type yeah. of thing, right? Like, it could really, you know, take that group to a higher level. I, I think that it helps you, a Logan Thomas, because I think he's talented, right? I yeah. think he has pretty good upside, but I don't think him just alone is a gap closer. No, yeah. I don't. I don't personally. He, at the I very don't. at the very best, he's in that second tier of gap closer, where he he yeah. just makes you better, but he doesn't necessarily like. Oh gosh, bring Obama now. I right. think from an upside standpoint, he has a chance to become one, possibly. But I don't think he is right now. And it, right. and it is there's some work to be done there. I mean, he's barely two hundred pounds right now. I I think it's it's it, I'll say this Brandon to the question I think it's pretty hard for just one individual player to be a gap closer by themselves man like there's very few guys that are that like that's tough man that's hard yeah like Keon Keeley's that right Elijah rushing yes he is one of those yeah. guys right but like you don't there's only a couple guys a year probably in each position that you're like that guy is a gap closer like that guy will make your team better that instantly. they have a shot at yeah. yes. Yeah. But you like but usually why, it's more like let's get a group together and yes, that's takes exactly because I and I made this point on the show with Tim Priester the other day. I said, look, like the 2018 defensive line for Notre Dame was as good as any in the country that year. They didn't have a single first round talent, in my opinion. Now, I know Jerry Tiller was picked in the first round, but I always thought he was overdrafted. I thought he was more of a third round guy, in my opinion. They didn't have any first round talents, but as a unit, as a whole, their starting lineup had four NFL guys and they had three or four NFL guys on their second unit that year. That's where Notre Dame has got to be. They're never, they're not, you know, they're, 
their 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 version of Jalen Carter is Justin Scott, but that guy doesn't come along very often in your backyard. It just doesn't happen yeah. very often, right? You know, so maybe you get Justin Scott and he becomes your Jalen Carter, but more often than not, it's we're good because we're just throwing eight, nine really good football players at you, even though we don't have any elite football players. That's where the 2021 defensive line was at, Ryan. That was the 2018 defensive line was. The last time Notre Dame, I thought, had a defensive line where they had two like legitimate high level guys was back in 2012 with Lewis Nixon and Stefan and to it. But then that team lacked the depth. Because when those guys came off the field, there was a big drop off between Lewis Nix and Tony Springman, right? And and that's that's where this team is. Well, maybe they don't have a Lewis Nix and nose guard, but they got three dudes that can flat out play. That's where you're trying to get to. And then as you start to do that, that then creates the opportunities for you to eventually start to have a better shot at landing some of the the dudes, right? And I think that's where Notre Dame is right now. They're just not going to go get those elite defensive linemen unless they're in their backyard because they have no track record of producing. High draft picks on the defensive line. Why is it so much easier for Notre Dame to go anywhere to get offensive linemen and tight ends? Because there's a track record that you can put those guys so in the they NFL produce. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's not because there's something unique about Notre Dame that makes them a, more attractive to offensive linemen or tight ends. It's it's a because like Aaron Banks wasn't a guy that was looking at Notre Dame. I just really want to get that degree. You know, Robert Hainsey might have been, Tommy Kramer might have been. Um, you know, some you know, Joe Walt. Sure, might maybe to a degree, but Joe Walt is looking at it, you know, be developed as a, you know, to 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 be a, a master at my craft. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. And start putting those guys, more of those guys in the NFL, and then that just ups your chances to get those guys. But yeah, I agree with him. Ray Holcraft, right here, Ryan says, where it where is Notre Dame at in their recruitment of Elijah Rushing on a scale of one to five, with one being for sure get, uh, five being less option, uh, less optimistic. What where are there? What is their chance of getting him, and why? Ray flipped the script here, man. Usually five. Yeah, it, usually five is like you're very positive, and ones you're very negative. But he went the other way here. I, I would say for me, Ray, it's like a three or a four on this scale, right? Like I, it's not a zero because he's coming for an official visit, right? So obviously there's some sort of interest there, or else he wouldn't waste his time even though official visits are unlimited now, because why not? Sure. But he still wouldn't waste his time going up to Notre Dame if there wasn't some sort of interest. That being said, and I talked about this on the message board a little bit earlier, still a long shot, man. It yeah. still is. Like I, I still would not predict Elijah rushing to Notre Dame, but apparently it's a little better than I thought it was. I thought it was well, definitely in his top five, right? Because yes. he's, you know, well, although – there was a question about the uh, the scholarships, the un, the unlimited official visits. visits. I'll get into that yeah. more this week. There's also a question about our thoughts from because uh, we're going to wrap it up after this question. There's some other team stuff. Ray Holcraft, Ian Johnson has some questions about this year, the la- next year, spring. Guys, bring those into the chat tomorrow. We'll have more time to answer those tomorrow. We're going to wrap up with the recruiting thing here, Ryan. But you yeah. know, look, this is this is the. I think they've got a with with Elijah. They have a puncher's chance. Yeah. Right. As of right now, they have a puncher's chance. If you get him on campus in June, you'll have a shot. But if they were the leader, I think he would have visited this spring. And now I know he visited in the winter, but yeah. if if he was like, that's where I'm going to go, he would have made another visit. Now, I think he likes Notre Dame. I think he's a kid that understands the benefits of what Notre Dame brings to the table. But they're going to have to have something different to pitch to him if they're going to get him than just the normal pitches, in my opinion. Yeah. And he also comes from, I remember the first time I talked to him, Sal Point Catholic. Apparently that community is a very pro-Notre Dame spot, apparently. So, like, there's, like, 
He was like, I, I, remember, I remember my initial conversation with him was like, yeah, man, everyone loves Notre Dame around here. Like, they love it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I didn't expect to hear that from, like, an Arizona kid, right? But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think puncher's chance is a good way to put it, Brian. Like, it's not dead in the water. There's not zero chance, obviously, but it's still a long shot. Like, it's not something that I would predict. If we did crystal balls, I wouldn't put a crystal ball in for Elijah Rush and go to Notre Dame. But, again, you have a shot. So you have to – you have yeah. to blow that visit out of the park, man. You have to do it to have a legitimate chance, but they have a chance. Is the point though? That's the yeah. point. And you're in the you're in the fight now. It's about close because I look look as all the harshness we've had towards Al Washington as a recruiter, he can easily just shut all that up like now if yeah. he gets Elijah Rushing and Justin Scott. Oh, no way! Like, no, it's I, I won't say anything about him for like done. years. I'll be like, yep. I, I'll, hey, Al, <laughs> my bad, baby. Roost Chris steak dinner on me, man. That's on me, right? <laughs> you know, like, and I hope that I'm saying that someday. I absolutely hope I'm saying that someday. Uh, but that's the opportunity that he has. I mean, look, same with Al, Al Golden. Hey, man, you got a chance to shut us up, right? Yeah. If you don't like us being critical of your recruiting, then go get Elijah Rushing and Justin Scott. If you don't like me being critical of your recruiting, then go get uh, go get Kingston and go get Chris Cole and you know, get both. You know what I mean? Hey, Mike Mickens shut people up. There were people that doubted Mike Mickens. We weren't ones, but the doubt of Mike Mickens. You know what he did? Fine, I'll just go out and land these dudes and and um, and uh, coach these guys up and make. And, and okay, yeah, you guys don't think Benjamin Morris can play? All right, here we go. Let's let's do this thing, right? I mean, I, I hope that I'm sitting here saying like, "Hey, Big Al, my my bad, baby, my my bad." <laughs> right? That's on me. Uh, hey, Coach Golden, I, I'm sorry. I thought that your recruiting days were in the past. I thought you left them in Charlottesville. My my bad. My bad, coach. That's on me. I hope that we're doing that, man. Because if it is, then all of a sudden the buzz completely changes. It really does. Yeah. And I'm because like right now it's like Mike Mickens. Like we're going to use that end game thing. Right now, Mike Mickens is like us. Uh, the defensive staff is like he's now cap before we know what's coming. He's all by himself, like <laughs> just tightening up his broken shield. Like okay, all right, I'm gonna try to do this thing. And the other cats are still like in dust somewhere, <laughs> right? We don't know that they're back yet. And that's kind of where he, where he's at, right? And so the more guys that can step up and do that, the better I'm going to feel like Chris O'Leary, man. Hey, hey, partner, you need to get your – hey, I know you're doing a nice job coaching safeties, but this is college football, man. You just yep. can't just be a good coach. you got to be able to recruit. And right now, you haven't shown that you can do that at, at a high enough level. It's time to get yep. that done. And so they all got a shot, Ryan. I mean, we broke down the board today. They all got a shot to be that guy. Now it's time to step up and, and win those battles. No doubt. And it starts with Justin Scott on the D-line. Kingston – at at uh, at linebacker, yep. Those are two gifts that you, if you can get that done this summer, all of a sudden, a little bit of that pressure comes off, and then it makes it. Hey, Elijah, you want to you want to come play with this cat over here, Justin Scott? You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Hey, sell, let's man. do this, baby. <laughs> right? It makes it a lot easier to sell it. It does. It absolutely does. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Hey, Grant, it was great to have you back, man. Um, look, we're going to have some fun Notre Dame team shows this week. We'll have, uh, we'll have some, you know, we'll talk about, I do want so I didn't want to bring it up today because Ryan just got home yesterday. So I want to give him some time to watch some of the spring games, but we will talk about the spring games that were on TV this past weekend and what we saw preview the Notre Dame spring game, what we're looking for uh, takeaways. We'll have kind of a, we'll do a little bit of a recruiting preview as well, probably on Thursday of the weekend and talk team. And, of course, we'll have a mailbag on Friday. We'll have a post-game show on Saturday. He won't be part of it because when are you coming in? When are you flying in? 
I'm actually driving in, so I'm going to driving in Friday. I think, yeah. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna come after leave after the show, or you're gonna well, not be on the show I'll, on Friday. I'll have we'll to have, figure that out. We'll have, have to discuss that, that later. <laughs> have to discuss that. Like you just got on vacation and you're missing more shows. Come on, man. We nah, have, man. We nah, have to have nah, a little nah. talk later, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but it was good to have you back. But we'll have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, a lot going on. Make sure you're locked into the message board, folks, because that's where we're going to get a lot of our intel and put a lot of these notes and nuggets and things like that. You can find that at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Hey, see this Gap Closer shirt, Ryan's IB shirt, hat, all the the flag we got back there, right there, all the merch we're always rocking. You all can find that down below. It'll be in the description box below. If you're listening via podcast app, I am now putting those in the description boxes as well. You can go there, buy all the Irish Breakdown merch. If you sign up for the message board and you buy an annual membership, you get 20% off the message board. So if you're wanting to get some merch or, and you're wanting to be a part of the board, do the board first, get the discount code in an email that I'll send you after you sign up. And then you can use that. If you're a monthly subscriber, you get a 10% off discount. So you can still get a discount even if you're a monthly subscriber. And if you sign up with the gold club, you get, you not only get the 20% off discount, but you get a free IB mug that is, looks like this, but it has, it has a club on it. So it's a mug club on it, right? You also get a t-shirt that's like Ryan's. It says IB Gold Club on it. So it only goes to Gold Club members. If you sign up for the Shamrock or the uh, or the Blue or the Blue Club or the Shamrock Club, those will get you a free mug as well. And those are just ways that people, those are the booster clubs that for people that want to support us. Uh, we've actually now gone with this push run. We've gone all, over 120 members in the booster club, which is pretty awesome. So we're very fired up about that. So anyway, a lot going on. It's going to be a very busy week. I'm fired up about it. Glad to have my partner crying back. So ready for that. Y'all, we'll see you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, can't wait to hear it tonight. IB Nation Sports Talk, 6 o'clock. But me and you will be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, for another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.